0: On episode 566 of the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast, we meet Catherine Delang and discuss how to hack your metabolism. You can find the full show notes for this episode at 40plusfitnesspodcast.com forward slash 566. If you decided you're ready to make a change to reclaim your health and fitness, the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast is here for you. Each week, we dive deep into health and fitness topics that affect those of us over 40. I'm Alan Meisner. I'm an NSAM certified personal trainer with specializations in corrective exercise, behavior change, and fitness nutrition, a FAI certified functional aging specialist, and an OTA level two online trainer. I'm joined each week by our co-host, Rachel Everett. She is an NASM certified personal trainer and a RRCA level one run coach. Let us be your coaches as you find your way on your health and fitness journey. All right, let's go. Hey, Ras, how are you?
1: Good, Alan. How are you today? I'm feeling a
0: lot better. Uh, (laughs) We've been in a drought situation. I think I've talked about this a little bit um, Mm -hmm. over the course of the weeks, but, um, you know, we we had to travel. It was a busy time at, at Lula's and then no water, no rain. And they completely used up the reservoir, pumped our tanks full of mud, which we had to pay someone to go in and clean those things out. And then they kept pumping mud. So we ended up ending up with mud again in the tanks and no rain. And so we had to turn off the city water. We just can't take that. And then it was like, you got to buy water because the local service, everybody wants it and they just weren't making it over to our street. So we ended up having to call some guys and give them some money to come over and pump some water into our tanks. But the good news is it started raining yesterday. It's been raining now for two days. So we're good. we're in a lot better shape now for getting this rain. And as far as I'm concerned, it can rain for the whole week. And I would just be ecstatic. For sure. You know, I know it's weird. People are like, oh, you want it to rain? I'm like, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. yes, we do. That's oh our water. Gosh. That's where it comes from for us. And so it's all water catchment at some level or another. Even if the city's pumping it, in general, it had to be caught. Uh, by them or by us and so we do have a little bit of water catchment ourselves but it's got us rethinking how we've structured our how the tanks are structured back there Mm because we've got four 400 gallon tanks and Mm -hmm. you know generally that would run us for a week uh here Mm -hmm. uh, provided there's not too many checkouts with laundry getting done but you know generally we know four tanks should last us about a whole week um Mm -hmm. but we got down to where we we had less than six inches in two of the tanks and so literally, probably only had like fifty gallons. Wow,
1: that's and crazy.
0: that was not going to last um, for even a few showers. So,
1: Snow.
0: yeah. So I wasn't taking. Once I got back here, I wasn't taking showers. I took a shower in Panama City and then got on the plane and then for about a week, I didn't take a shower. Oh
1: my god! Because
0: uh, again, I didn't. You know, the water wasn't there, and you know, our guests, you know, they come in and want to take a shower after they've been out doing their tours, and sure, you know, we can't do, we couldn't do laundry, so we got down to like the. End, end end and so it's like okay you know here we are we have to watch sheets because we have to make a bed and mm-hmm. so yeah it was, it was it was it was interesting uh this is yeah. the second one we've had they say they're going to do some infrastructure stuff to kind of remedy this maybe in the future but this was a bad one relative we had one four years ago it wasn't quite as bad but it was one of those things where you just really paying attention to the water making sure you're not using any more than you need to
1: mm-hmm.
0: and um and doing all that.
1: That's pretty important.
0: Yeah. Well, we are a third-world country, so, you know, it's going to happen.
1: It happens, sure. Yeah.
0: And so you're not all the way up there, you're almost up there, uh mm-hmm. in, in a beautiful part of the country, uh my yeah. favorite part of the country. So, what's yeah. going on?
1: Yeah, Mike and I are enjoying a few days of vacation down in Pensacola. Today we're on the beach. We'll be in town later on, but We've been enjoying a few free days here at the beach. The sun's been great. The weather's been actually really great until just recently it got cold, but it's still perfectly sunny and we have snow at home. So (laughs) I can handle the cold of Florida much better than I can handle the the cold of of snowy Michigan right now. So we're just enjoying some time here before we head back home. Good,
0: good. All right. Well, safe travels. Thank you. All right. Are you ready to talk about metabolism? Sure. Our guest today is head of features at New Scientist Magazine, where she commissions and writes articles across a range of subjects specializing in neuroscience, health, and genetics. With no further ado, here's Catherine DeLang. Katherine, welcome to 40 Plus Fitness.
2: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: Your article was called Hack Your Metabolism, and uh, three words... <laughs> Three very important words. I love talking about metabolism. Uh, Obviously, a lot of my clients, people will come to me, they want to lose some weight. Mm -hmm. And so we start talking about metabolism and energy usage and how all this stuff, how we know or think it works today and why certain things work for us and other things don't and and all that. So we go back and forth on metabolism. And that's really in the end what we're trying to uh, manage around. I've never really liked the word hack but i get the context that you're using it here's a lot different than what a lot of people think hacking is so this is this is not about taking some cleanse juice or getting on some kind of weird you know take this metabolism boosting pill and you're going to you know you're going to hack your metabolism this is real science
2: it is yes and i uh, so i work for new scientist magazine where I really um A lot of what we do around diet and metabolism is to try and cut through a lot of the pseudoscience that's out there and really look at the evidence and base everything that we do on facts. So it's absolutely not about some kind of magic pill or some kind of thing that you're going to eat that's going to do some magic to your metabolism. I don't think that exists. And uh, yeah, it's very much about science and evidence and what we actually know in this actually a, a, a field of research that is changing all the time.
0: Now, in the article, you kind of got into this concept of metabolic flexibility, and we've talked about that a few times on the show, but why is metabolic flexibility so important?
2: Well, this is really something that I didn't know that much about before I started to research this article, and I'm sure your listeners know if you've spoken about it before, but metabolic flexibility is your body's ability to switch between burning different fuel sources, so really between burning fat and burning carbs. And you know obviously that's kind of interesting to people who are trying to manage their weight. but for me what what was really surprising was how much this ability is linked to overall metabolic health and how much it's a predictor of your likelihood of having metabolic syndrome. So this is a kind of trifactor of problems, um, high high blood pressure, high um, cholesterol and, and obesity. And being able to switch between these fuel sources, so having a good metabolic flexibility, seems to protect you from that and uh, really seems to be a good predictor of your future metabolic health. So it's really important.
0: Yeah. Now, I know a lot of people, you know, they'll they'll try to go from being su- purely sugar burners and then they'll want to go and get on the keto diet. And so they'll say, OK, I'm you know, just cut out all this, these carbs. And invariably, about two or three days later, they, they have this horrendous crash. Um, some people call it keto flu. I call it carb withdrawals. And it comes back to this process called metabolic flexibility because we're changing fuel tanks. I mean, literally going from one type of fuel to another. And for a lot of us, we're just not that flexible. So we we sputter a good bit till we get there. How would someone build metabolic flexibility from the perspective of being able to switch more easily?
2: Yeah, so where I was coming at with this article was definitely not about doing some extreme diet, um, doing the keto diet. Although I think it's really interesting when you think about that crash and the kind of I think often with a keto diet, people feel like they don't have so much energy, especially for ex- especially high intensity exercise. So can we train our body to be better at that? Can we improve our ability? And the researchers that I spoke to seem to be saying that in order to improve it, the, the best thing is exercise. So people who exercise regularly seem to have a better metabolic flexibility. And on the flip side, people who have a poor metabolic health, people who are obese, have a worse metabolic flexibility. And actually one researcher I spoke to did a very extreme experiment where she took a bunch of healthy fit women and made them take bed rest for two months. So they did absolutely no physical activity for two months and they became metabolically inflexible. And another long-term study looked at people over five years and found that if you are metabolically inflexible, you're more likely to develop obesity and um, problems with, with blood glucose. So doing regular exercise seems to improve that ability. And also it looks like you can train your metabolic flexibility. So you don't need to go to the extremes of cutting out carbs completely. But if you say, eat your meals earlier in the evening and have a longer period where you're not eating overnight, that and perhaps having a fewer carbs in the evening as well. So that gives your body the chance to burn through those carbs that you have, gives it the chance to switch to burning fat while you're asleep. So you don't even need to do anything about it rather than if you eat you know, a carb heavy meal late at night, snacking before you go to bed, this your body has no chance to actually make that switch. So What people were telling me that the scientists that I spoke to was it's about giving your body that chance to regularly switch so that when you're asleep, you can switch to burning fat. Then when you need the carbs, you can eat them and your body is really good at just using them straight away to fuel whatever it is you're doing and then give your chance again, your body the chance to switch again. So regular exercise and regular breaks from carbs, basically, so that you can switch even during the day.
0: Okay. Now you, you utilized a tool called Lumen and -hmm. in the article, you also talked about continuous glucose monitors. Can you talk about what those tools are and how they would help us track our metabolism?
2: Yeah. And I think it's interesting to think, so for, for me, this comes back to a big shift, I think in the way that scientists are thinking about metabolism because a lot of the things that seem quite straightforward to us and, you know, I've always been really interested in metabolic health and exercise and diet and you know before we thought that we understood which foods were kind of good for us, what they did to the body, how much energy you got, and what we're discovering is that this one- size fits all approach to nutrition really isn't working for people and probably isn't scientifically accurate and more and more research shows that even you know you or I or even identical twins could eat the same food and have a hugely different reaction in their body and so the devices like the Lumen device that I that I tried and blood glucose monitors, they kind of provide a window into what's really happening into your body. And, and I think it's just a, a sign of the times that we're starting to understand that everybody's body is responding very differently to food and exercise. Um, and so the Lumen device that I tried is, I actually have it here, it's like a small kind of inhaler and you you take a deep breath in and then you breathe out into this device and it's supposed to measure how much oxygen and carbon dioxide you have in your breath and the claim is that this is a good indicator of whether you're burning fat or carbs in that moment so you get a real time measurement so i would do it when i woke up in the morning and uh, they say if you even if you just do it once in a day when you wake up in the morning and then it gives you a reading on a scale of one to five, of whether you're burning fat or whether you're burning carbs, and and then I also used it when I was trying it out for exercise. So you know, I don't really like to eat before a workout, but do I need some extra carbs to fuel it, or actually have I got enough carbs that I'm good for my workout? I don't need to eat anything, and I can just go and not have to worry about running out of um, of fuel. So that's the the Lumen device. And, and, you know, they, with all of these things, they claim that because they have so many users, they can really gain these insights about what different habits do to our health that, that we wouldn't get usually. So I think that's interesting. And blood, continuous blood glucose monitors. I mean, I don't know about you, but for me, I I used to think that kind of monitoring blood glucose levels was really just for if you had diabetes or pre-diabetes. But again, increasingly we're realizing that many of us are having kind of dangerously high spikes in glucose levels just during a normal day, even if we're very kind of otherwise healthy. And that could be a problem. So by monitoring your glucose levels continuously for a period of time, you can really start to understand how your body responds to different food. And like I said, how you respond to something could be very different to how I respond. And so those insights are really interesting. And potentially quite confusing for people as well, I think.
0: Yeah, Yeah, you know, at the point being, and I I think I saw this was a study out of Israel where they were monitoring people's blood glucose levels all through the day. And they were logging what they were eating, when they were eating, and they were comparing that data. And like one person can eat a banana and they're just fine. And another person eats a banana and their blood sugar shoots up. So it kind of throws the whole idea of, you know, the uh, GI the yeah, index exactly. and, the, and, yeah. and the load kind of throws that out a little bit mm-hmm. because if we're going to have different reactions to different foods and you know i i don't i haven't seen anybody that studied this but i would even think it might be different for people over a different period of span of time you know for sure, yeah. 20s probably could do the but it may have done the banana better than someone who was in their 50s same person
2: yeah if absolutely twins, twins and even in one different. in one day
0: yeah so if twins can be different then we can be different i mean because absolutely. genetically they're supposed to be identical. So you had a strategy in in the article that talked about, you know, not really so much timing of carbs, but that by eating protein and fiber first, you set yourself up to have a better outcome. Could you talk about how protein and fiber are one, how important they are to us, but the, and why, but uh, how it could be used to help us manage our blood glu- glucose levels,
2: yeah, I mean, that they're, they're hugely uh, important macronutrients as I'm sure you know your listeners are aware fiber is well proteins um, really important for building muscle principally and fiber is key to uh, healthy digestion and it's also really important for feeding the microbiome which we know is increasingly implicated in all sorts of health metrics but uh, the idea behind the strategy that I wrote about in the article is that if you say you had a, a plate of food and, and you had um some meat, some vegetables and some bread and that the order that you eat that food could make a difference to your blood glucose levels because if you eat the the fiber first so you eat the the, the leafy vegetables that you have that's going to kind of line your um digestive system. The fiber a lot of fiber is not digested so that will line your system and then you eat the protein next that's digested much more slowly than carbohydrates so it slows down your digestion and if you eat the carbs on top of that then it means you'll have less of a, a of a spike in your um, blood glucose afterwards and the same logic means that if you did want to eat some dessert you should probably eat it straight away as part of your meal rather than having it like a snack later in the day when you've given your digesting that break. And if you eat it at that point, you're just going to be hitting your system with a a massive sugar high.
0: Yeah. The interesting thing is this, is um, they bring bread to the, in the United States, I know, they bring the bread to the table first. So everybody's passing around, eating the bread, waiting for their food to come and we're eating it in the wrong order.
2: (laughs) Yeah. It's the same here. It's exactly the same.
0: I define wellness as being the healthiest, fittest and happiest you can be. What are three strategies or tactics to get and stay well?
2: I mean, it's hard to pick three. And I think, uh, well, I've also written a book called Brain Power, which is all about things that we can do to improve our our mental health and our um, brain, uh, the the way that our brains function. So I think I'd pick three that are unrelated to the metabolism stuff, because I think the, the most important thing you can do for your well-being is exercise or whatever that means for you so walking in the park or hitting the gym but exercise is amazing for our body and our brain we know that and I think increasingly I've been writing for new scientists and elsewhere about the importance of spending time in nature so connecting with nature seems to be really really good for our mental health so I would take that exercise if you can do it in nature then you can do two get two in one go and also the importance of of daylight and especially as you know we're in the northern hemisphere the days are getting shorter we're spending a lot more time with artificial light we know that spending time outside in direct sunlight early on in the day is amazing for your energy for your mood for your mental health uh, and for sleep later so my three would be take exercise in nature if you can and in the morning when you're getting that sunlight I think that would be the kind of the best thing that you can do for your physical and mental well-being
0: great Catherine. if someone wanted to learn more about you and the things that you're doing where would you like for me to send them
2: so all the things that i write about are um, on the new scientist website so newscientist.com, Uh and my book is called brain power everything you need to know for a happy healthy brain so you can find that in all the usual places
0: You can go to 40plusfitnesspodcast.com forward slash 566, and I'll be sure to have the links there. Catherine, thank you so much for being a part of 40 Plus Fitness.
2: No, thank you for having me. This
0: episode of the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast is sponsored by Athletic Greens, the makers of AG1. I started taking AG1 because I realized I wasn't getting a broad enough variety of vegetables in my diet. We get good quality vegetables where I live, but limited types. And even if you get a good variety where you live, current farming practices might degrade the quality. It's hard to get both. I chose AG1 because it is sourced from whole food ingredients. And Athletic Greens continues to research and reiterate AG1 based on current science. In 12 years, they've improved it 52 times, and they're not stopping there. It's in their DNA to continuously improve. To get the nutritional insurance I do with AG1, I'd have to take dozens of pills and tablets, some with food, others without. AG1 mixes well with water, and it tastes great. It's lifestyle-friendly. Keto, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, no chemicals or artificial anything. Simple. And when you start your day with a healthy habit, you prime your subconscious to do more of the same throughout the day. I could go on and on. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you one free year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash 40 plus. Again, that's athleticgreens.com forward slash 40 plus to take ownership over your health and pick the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Welcome back, Raz.
1: Hey, Alan. This was a really helpful interview for me for uh, having metabolic flexibility. It's something that I've been trying so hard to achieve lately. And this was really insightful for me.
0: Yeah, you know, it it is important. You know, we had Cyrus and Robbie on uh, episode 560. And, you know, they were both type one diabetics. So they were talking Mm -hmm. about diabetes and managing your blood sugar Mm -hmm. And having metabolic flexibility, because in Mm -hmm. in their research, that's really kind of the linchpin of health from a metabolic perspective. It's not that you're always keto or you're not Mm -hmm. eating any sugar. It's not that, you know, do something any any weirder than just eat. But Mm -hmm. the way you do it and how you approach it and making sure that your body is able to adjust and use the different fuel systems is a valuable aspect of human life. And so you don't have to be extreme if you're just smart about it and paying attention. And that's part Mm -hmm. of what the hack part of this article was, which she's (laughs) using tools like the Lumen breath analyzer to figure out what's going on. And and so, you know, she knew she was burning fat as in the sexual start of the story. She was in France and she didn't want to eat the croissant and so she had the Lumen, and she was sitting there, and she knew she was burning body fat at that mm-hmm. particular moment, and she wanted to keep burning that body fat for energy. She did not want to use the croissant for energy, mm-hmm. and uh, you know she was able to do that with the Lumen because when we're losing fat, when we're burning fat, our body does this chemical reaction; it, it turns it into carbon dioxide and water. Mm-hmm. And so what we're what we're typically losing. Is that breathing out of that carbon dioxide? And you've probably heard this if you're anyone's talking about global warming, the weight, you know, the number of pounds or tons of carbon dioxide that are being emitted. And it seems weird that a gas would have weight, but it does not a lot, but it does. And so when it adds up, that is weight. So you're breathing out more carbon dioxide when you're losing weight and using body fat for that than you would otherwise and that's what this tool knows is it how much carbon dioxide relative to oxygen and there's a formula and then once it'll tell you where you stand burning that that fat
1: mm-hmm. it's a helpful tool i know that when i started keto gosh years ago now i've lost track i went through that keto flu you talked about yeah. and we had the fatigue as my body learned how to switch over to fat burning and since then, it's been great. It's, it's helpful for me as a runner to be able to go back and forth between, you know, having some carbs and burning fat and not needing all of the extra running nutrition that a lot of us runners need to use. But I just want to clarify that I don't eat bread. That's the one thing I'll probably never go back to, but I'm looking for carbs in in my vegetables, not so much in the breads and pastries and whatnot, but yeah. it's, it's been helpful. And so the next thing that I'm looking at is my, is my blood glucose. So it's something I want to keep an eye on, even though I have this flexibility right now, I just want to make sure I'm not overworking my pancreas.
0: Yeah, well, we had a podcast sponsor that does that continuous monitoring. You know, I had mm-hmm. I wore one. I wore one for a, a few weeks. Oh, wow. um, I was in ketosis, uh-huh. so when I was talking to the dietitian, she's like, I, "I don't see numbers like this." She says, "You you like my, my my blood sugar did not." move it was right at about 70 every single day every (laughs) time it measured it did not go up it did not go down Mm -hmm. and she's like what are you doing I said I'm just I'm eating a ketogenic diet and Uh you know I've been I'm in ketosis so it's like if I need any energy I'm just going to body fat for that Mm -hmm. and so you know and I'm not eating anything that would surge my blood sugar Mm -hmm. and I'm eating protein and I'm eating fiber and as a result my blood sugar stayed constant for that entire 3 weeks that I was wearing this thing. Wow. And you know, and I figured I would probably stay in a pretty tight range. I didn't realize mm-hmm. it it would be that tight, like one or two points movement the whole time. That's uh incredible. so that was kind of odd, but it was what ketosis can do. Mm-hmm. That's a strategy. She's she's eating low carb when she wants to burn fat, but she will eat carbs and basically that's the metabolic flexibility that she wants you're able to eat carbs because you go out and do a very very long run and you've mm-hmm. got maybe 2 hours if you're going at a good regular pace you've got about 2 hours of glycogen in your muscle and liver mm-hmm. and then that's where most people if they're running a marathon about mile 14 bonk you know and oh, that bonk yeah. is that bonk is where they've used up all that glycogen And if they didn't refuel, they didn't take in sugar while they were doing this, something fast because it can't be fiber and leafy greens and it can't be just normal carbs. (laughs) Uh, And your body, so if your body's not used to using fat for energy, you bonk. Or if you're not taking the goose, you bonk. And so you're, being a ketogenic runner, have the capacity to flip back. So you can do that. You'll start burning fat throughout the whole thing, depending on the Mm -hmm. pace you go. And so you're not, completely maybe not even completely getting rid of all of your muscle glycogen liver glycogen but you're able to complete the run right and then you stop after and you have a beer and insulin comes to the rescue and says ah we've got all this stuff we got to get out of here and the muscles and the liver are the first preference and so it will insulin will shuttle that into the muscles and the liver and you're fine you're, you're probably not even necessarily leaving ketosis and if you do, it's for a very short period of time, mm-hmm. and then you're right back in.
1: Yeah, I think that's part of the benefit for runners is that we keep this process moving. You know, we keep using the energy we're putting in. So on a on a sedentary lifestyle or on a on a rest day, it's still need to keep an eye on on food. Just you know, make sure I get enough for a regular day, but not so much that I'm need to go run, you know, two hours to burn it back off again. Yeah. It's it's a process.
0: It is. It is. And, you know, I think again, one of the cores of this is to realize that you can track this stuff. The lumen is a great Mm -hmm. tool. The continuous blood glucose monitor is a great tool. Just, Getting one of those meters from a local pharmacy with the strips and and testing your blood sugar from time to time, testing to see how certain foods are going to affect you, mm-hmm. the order with which you eat the foods. You know, she mm-hmm. brought that. That's an important thing. Yeah. And so, just kind of seeing how all this works that in your body. You know, we're all bio unique, and so how you mm-hmm. how food processes in your body. Very. Is, and and maybe even different than it was 10 years ago. you know a lot of us be like I could eat you know I could eat anything sure. 10, 15 years ago and couldn't put on the weight and now I am. Right. So something has changed
1: mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm.
0: same human different results. and so just yeah. you know you won't know oh, if yeah. you're not measuring so it's that's just one of the cores of it.
1: For sure. Yeah. That I think that would be a really fun experiment to try, if not a continuous and a periodic blood glucose check, just to see, like you had discussed, you know, how different people can maybe um have a different reaction to having a banana and a while back i was interested in trying sweet potatoes and and i was concerned about the reaction i would get with with that blood glucose hit so yeah it would be really fun to try that out and experiment with different foods yeah
0: there is a good bit of fiber in sweet potatoes i found mm-hmm. i i could i can eat sweet potatoes as a part of the low carb diet the problem is like, I would go to the restaurant and order it and they would come out and they'd say, okay, I said, you got cinnamon. And they're like, well, it's already mixed with the sugar. Uh, oh. they, they literally buy the cinnamon. And I'm like, oh. the sweet potato potatoes, it's called sweet potato. It's, it's <laughs> yes. already in the name. You don't have to add sugar to oh, things that are gosh. sweet. And oh. so I, I, Tammy would get upset with me, but I would, I would bring butter and I would bring cinnamon the steakhouse and Mm -hmm. pull out my butter and I'd put a pat of butter on the steak just to add a little bit of fat. And then I would have my own cinnamon to -hmm. sprinkle on my sweet potato. And I would also cut it, you know, I'd buy the steak and the steak was like three or four servings. So I'd cut it in half, cut the potato in half, ask him for a container, put Mm -hmm. that away and then eat, you know, half a meal, which was plenty. And, you know, and so it's just, it's just kind of those little Tweaks when you start understanding what's working and what's not, that you can do certain things. You know, some people's carb threshold will be a lot higher, right. uh, particularly if you're active. Your carb threshold probably is higher than someone who is not able to exercise or is chooses chooses to not exercise. You know, you're choosing to have a low carb threshold or you're mm-hmm. choosing to have a high carb threshold based mm-hmm. on some of your actions. So there are ways you can get through and, and use it. So it's not really hacking as much as just understanding what works for you yes. and making and making that your thing.
1: Yes, absolutely. Very individual.
0: All right. Well, Rachel, I'll talk to you next week then.
1: Sounds great. Take care, Ellen.
0: You too. Next time on the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast, we meet Chris McDougall and Eric Orton and discuss their book, Born to Run, The Ultimate Training Guide. Until then, have a happy and healthy week.